Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get this show started. Welcome to the stage, a man who has shaken the hand of Carl Castle multiple times, Peter Sagal! A woman whose dog is more well-read than you, Greta Johnson! whose costume is still making me giggle, Trisha Bo-Vita! Hello, nerds! Oh my god! I feel like I'm finally amongst my people, and I'm... <laughs> and that's both comforting and terrifying. All right, all right, so let's start officially. Hello, and welcome to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. I am Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita, and this is Varys. Yes, it is. I should let you know that I have dressed as Varys for uh, obvious reasons. First of all, obviously, the hair. Secondly, uh, like Varys, I think I know more than anybody else. And lastly, like Varys, in the end, I have been completely emasculated. (laughs) We just had a really great conversation upstairs where we wondered if Varys had eyebrows and then tried to talk Peter into shaving off his eyebrows. But it no, didn't I, work. I, my eyebrows are like Samson's hair. They're the source of my strength. <laughs> now we know. I do really want to point out, to since we're them. talking about costumes, I am wearing a little handmade uh, uh, hand of the queen little pin that I was given by these ladies prior to this uh, taping. And, uh, yes, our friend Lauren I, Kelly I've, 3D I've printed that. I've never been more, I've never felt more flattered and in keeping with Tyrion shorter. So... <laughs> I think technically it's Hand of the Queens, though, queens. given the, hand of the queens, queens, plural, yes. plural female royalty in the house, if you will. We do want to thank you all for coming out tonight to the yes. Donk House. What a beautiful space in a great Chicago neighborhood. Thank you for being here. So we're basically going to do our show, which normally happens when we're all sort of like half-caffeinated in yeah. a studio on Monday mornings <laughs> with just the four of us, and now there's a lot of you, and some of you look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The Queen of Thorns is here tonight. <laughs> I think I see a dragon in the back. I, I do. Heard, is Good. there a wall somewhere, too? I heard there was a wall. Yeah, yes. there's a wall. Awesome. Yes. Oh yeah, we got a wall over there. Very That's cool. very good. So we'll be we'll be getting to know some of these costumes up close and personal later. But first, we want to just recap. Actually, before that, Trisha, I would like to make one more introduction. All right. Which is Justin oh, yeah. Bull, our okay. producer. Hey, Justin. But yes, 
Yeah, Justin will also be here to play the patriarchy jingles. If the moment arises. Only if they're required. You know, and we'll I'm see. Sure. I'm absolutely certain you're wrong and they won't be. Patriarchy uh, speaking, so ladies be quiet. Peter Sagal is the worst. Can I just say that those were actually my idea? It, it was the first season of doing this, and I had said something typically overbearing and mansplaining. And one of these two ladies said, well, we need sort of a patriarchy jingle. And I said, I know just the guys. And I called up my friends Paul and Storm, <laughs> who do lots of comedy geeky things, and they provided them. So this is all my fault. The moment at which Peter mansplains the patriarchy jingles. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like, it's so meta. It's like the patriarchy Ouroboros. It just ate its own tail. <laughs> You guys got that. I love you. <laughs> okay, yes. Let us now begin. To the business. The recap. Of recapping. Yes. So season seven. So season seven, our penultimate season of I Game know. of Thrones. We, uh, we're going to have to wait a long time, guys, for the next uh, one. So we should really, you know, think and mull this one over. Because I think my f least favorite to then favorite storyline of this season was the Stark sisters. Did you, say, did you say least favorite? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was feeling very uh, cranky at the writers for the Sansa Arya situation that was going on because I didn't find it super believable that Littlefinger would be able to come between these two Stark sisters. And then, of course, Littlefinger gets his just desserts. I, I am surprised. Oh. You, you, you just made my point for me because it seemed to me that on the internet, which is where this show exists, it seems like... This is like, the internet, Peter. Here they the are. Internet. Hello. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for the funny memes. Um, <laughs> it seems as if everybody, the general consensus was, yay, we loved that subplot because we loved seeing the sisters doing it for themselves, doing it mainly executing bloodily Littlefinger. They, yeah. people, people really enjoyed that. And you're telling me that you did not? I would say I've, I maybe enjoyed it just for that final scene of them standing on, at the gates talking to each other about how much they missed their dad. I think those two had some of the most realistic and relatable dialogue, aside from the sister spat yeah. Yeah. in this season. Um, but I found overall that storyline to be pretty obnoxious. Considering how much I disliked it, and all the things I thought of to criticize it, mm -hmm. I did not think, perhaps, of the most useful and interesting criticism, which somebody said to us on Twitter, which was a, a woman tweeted at us and said, how come these two women, so wrapped up in their legacy, never talk about what their mother taught them? Mm. I thought that was a really, really good tweet. Also, Peter, I think I, it's true. Everybody talks about Ned, and Catelyn was amazing, and I guess we're never going to... Like, should we just call it we're never going to get Lady Stoneheart? We're never going to get... Well, no, we just, know this. I know. Did it, I don't suppose anybody came as Lady Stoneheart, because I would take that at this point as a small... <laughs> can, any, can anybody shamble no. just a little? <sighs> yeah, no, that's... But it's true that these... It is weird that I never thought of it for obvious reasons. I'm, I'm a dork, but... an adult, but... It is seemingly strange that the showrunners never thought of it that these two women who were raised primarily, one would imagine, in this patriarchal society, primarily by their mother, 
never in all their quoting and legacy struggling never said, you know, our mother always told us. Yes. But I think that from the beginning we've been meant to see this as what happens to Ned's children. You talk a lot about yeah. how this is a story of parents and children, but really it's a story of fathers and children primarily. There's a lot of talk of we don't have to be our very terrible evil fathers. Right. There's far more talk about fathers amongst the characters than mothers. And yet at the same time, George R. R. Martin... These are the exact same suspenders he wore to Comic-Con in 2013. Do we I'm need to saying. explain to the listening audience what's happening right now? I have to say it's really hard to look at you. Yeah, actually. I know. Like, <laughs> you mustn't yeah, look Greta away. and I are both like, well, that's an interesting ceiling decoration they have here at Tank House. No, I, mean, uh, I, I, will ex- I, I will narrate for the audience that, that, yes, that our dear friend uh, Trisha Babita is dressed quite convincingly as George R. R. Martin, wearing uh, suspenders, white beard, and his classic Greek fisherman's cap. Yeah. Indeed. And I will say that right... With just n- enough turquoise to show that, yes, he's a man of the Southwest. <laughs> Always. And you are... I, I've met the man. You are far less nerdy than the actual... <laughs> than the actual... Compared to the real uh, George R. R. Martin, you're, you're Brad Pitt right now. I mean, <laughs> he is a nerdy son of a bitch. Peter, since we're talking about what we look like for our podcast audience, should we point out Varys's mermaid feet? I don't buy into the Varys merman theory, but I did enjoy the stockings. So <laughs> everyone this season had that power to move through time and space almost as if they had a TARDIS. We had a lot of uh, situations where people, ravens, boats—you know, dragons sure are fast, but everybody else sure moved a lot slower in season one of this show. Yeah. I will say, I think that is maybe the biggest advantage from not having source material anymore is that time moves quickly and it still like disorients me every time. I'm like, how did that even happen? They were there and back? Are you kidding me? Do you guys remember in the early seasons of this show, sometimes in a half an episode, they would get from like there to there on that road. And that was it. Yeah, they're just on horses. Charming banter, but that was how far they got. Yeah, man. There was one period where we were constantly talking about the fact that it always seemed like Tyrion and Varys were stuck in a box somewhere. Oh, I forgot about the box. Conversing. That was Um, a good time. It was a fine time. All right, so the Stark sisters were my sort of most improved storyline winner for this season because I was worried that it wasn't going to pay off or that they would keep us hanging, but I liked seeing the sisters come back together and finally using the brother in the other room who has uh, some serious power. Like, I want to see, because we're here to you face-to-face, which is nice, especially given <laughs> some of your faces, but does anybody, because I seem to be very alone in this opinion, I want to see if anybody else shares it, that Littlefinger seemed completely transformed in that he was finally stupid. Do you agree with me that, like, the little finger that we had seen, and maybe this is very influenced by the books where he is an extremely sophisticated and conniving character, but the little finger we had seen before, the guy who was eight steps ahead of everybody else, seemed gone. That this guy just seemed to be sitting around. <laughs> oh, Peter, I should let you know that we decided that when you complain a lot about how things are different than the books, we were going to have whinging violins. The whinging music, Peter. 
What are we calling that cue? The That's whinging. The, the whinging violin cue. The whinging, Peter, Peter whinging. Yep. It's nice, right? Did you like it? Yeah, it was excellent. <laughs> I'm very pleased. <laughs> Threw you off for a minute there. I, I always considered my whinging to be more of a bassoon type thing, but that's all right. <laughs> we'll take that note. But we I'm can get that. To just yeah. plow ahead. <laughs> but Littlefingers, I mean, he, I was watching him the entire season and going, what are you doing? Is all you're doing hoping that Sansa will forget everything that you've ever done? including murder, like she's killed at least two people in front of him, including his own wife, and uh, he's sold her to a rapist monster, and now he just thinks that she will just get over it and like him because. That's what ladies do, and, Peter. And I know, and in that he is, he is dumber than Littlefinger has ever been, but just as dumb as basically every guy always is. I kind of wish we had like an anti-patriarchy jingle right It really there. is. I mean, seriously. I, mean, nice. I, I, I look at this guy and I'm like, yeah, she'll get over that. I'm cute. That's every guy. <laughs> All right. Lannister Wonder Twins. Lannister Wonder Twins. <laughs> uh, I thought in the finale we were going to lose a Lannister. I thought in the finale. We're, I think, anybody yeah. else agrees that you always... And uh, we were looking at some of your predictions and I don't think it's a surprise to tell you that most of you thought that Cersei is going to die at Jaime's hand. That is a general, right? The prophecy demands who it. Here, who was surprised that that did not happen? By applause. Surprised? Yeah. I think Cersei's got to stick around just long enough to keep fucking shit up, though. Don't you? When you say fucking shit up, <laughs> do you mean, like creating ruin or doing stupid things or do you mean getting in the way of everybody else's plans? I would say all of the above on right. that one. Yeah. Did you guys see this uh, article in Vox about the political uh, science analysis of Game of Thrones? Did you see this? <laughs> it's very smart. It's really interesting and it sort of rated every character in terms of the success of their political, politically scientific or political strategy. Hmm. Uh, and the loser in this competition, if you will, the worst person was Daenerys, for obvious reasons. She started the season with every advantage. She lost her army. She lost her allies. She lost her dragons. She fucked everything up. Fair. She also fucked her nephew. She did that. <laughs> yeah. Real talk. Trisha Bohobita. There's, this is, a, no, this is I, a spoiler zone. I don't know if that falls into, I don't know if that falls into political science, though. I do, it was Van, Van Klauswitz who said that fucking your aunt is just a family reunion by other means. Um, ooh. If Peter's a baby, falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? No, wait. That was not patriarchy, that was lame-ass humor. There is a difference. But, but the confidence the, to tell that joke. Yeah. <laughs> I concede. I concede. But the the analysis said Cersei was the winner, despite her predilection. I mean, she for held fucking, it down. She held it down. She ended it in power with her uh, two worst, as the analysis put it, her two worst enemies, the Night King and Daenerys, getting off to fight each other, and yet she retained a position of power and influence. She's got gold. 
She's got the Golden Company coming her way. She has got it down. She handled things well. She maybe even has an heir. So, Tricia, one thing I didn't ask you after the finale that I'm curious to hear is you had suggested that maybe Cersei isn't really pregnant. I thought for sure the Cersei pregnancy was a lie. So, yeah, do you still... Oh, Peter. I know. Oh, my. Uh, do you still think that's the case, Tricia, or have you changed your mind since seeing the finale? I, with these showrunners, am still not 100% sure whether they're teasing us or Cersei's playing other people... I think that maybe it's not just as simple as it being a baby or not a baby. I think Kyburn's doing some weird business, maybe. Yeah, that's gone around a lot. You know, the thing that really blew my mind today on Twitter was someone who mentioned that maybe it's Euron's baby. Oh, no. Euron approves. The only problem is Euron down front is like, yes! (laughs) The only problem with that theory is in a medieval situation in which there's no such thing as genetic testing or so on and so forth. The only way of knowing if it's Euron's baby is if it comes out wearing mascara. Yes. (laughs) And singing something from Penzance. Right, exactly. Exactly. So in, in a weird way, it's irrelevant whose baby it is if she's pregnant. I think, do we think that Jamie, you know, headed out without his army, obviously, but just headed away from King's Landing there's been some speculation on the internet of late that maybe he's going to end up leading the forces because he's actually probably the brightest military mind of the bunch that's heading north, and so that maybe he will be the thousandth commander of the Night's Watch. Whoa. That's a good one. Trisha, can I tell you what freaks me out the most about your costume? Yeah. I can't see your mouth move. <laughs> it's very disorienting. Just assume I always have something to say. <laughs> We need a matriarchy jingle. Come on. I'm dressed as a man. You can play one on me. Gather round and listen (laughs) while old Peter Sagelman explains this show to you. Should have commissioned that before it was too late. Yeah, they aren't easily retrofitted, so they all just end up making you sound bad when we play them. Which is a win for us all, I think. It it does seem, before we leave Cersei behind, that Mm. the entire season arc, if I can use that expression was just designed to get Jamie mad enough at Cersei yes. so that next season they can be in opposing sides. The Which other, is exciting. The other pairing that they seem to spend a lot of time driving a wedge between was Tyrion and Daenerys. Yes. Like, the last shot of Tyrion, right, looking with suspicion and unhappiness at the door where... You the know, love boat. The love boat. <laughs> it's exciting and new. It's incest. You know, Isn't I, that gross to you? I read another really good theory about that on the Twitter. Yes. Which is that maybe the reason why he seems so upset is because this very likely means an end to the democracy that he's been trying to encourage Daenerys to. Right. Whatever it may be, whether his burgeoning sense of there should be democracy or his deeply repressed affection for Daenerys and he feels friends and whatever it may be, he seems alienated from Daenerys so that next season perhaps they end up on opposite sides. Do you guys think that Tyrion has feelings for Daenerys? That seems highly unlikely to me. Yeah, no, okay. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> why not? Here's why I think Tyrion's really mad. And then why do you think Tyrion is really I think, mad? I think Tyrion's upset because he had to strike some sort of deal with Cersei to get her to come back to the hey. dragon pit and that deal, we don't know what it is, but it has to have something to do with Daenerys's allegiances or Jon's allegiances, and if the two of them are merged... Wait a minute. You think that Tyrion off-screen? Yeah, yeah. Like, 
Secret meeting. Wait a minute. 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 So you think that Tyrion off screen he had a conversation with Cersei, and then after like cut after they ended the scene they had a further conversation in which they made some kind of deal. Yeah. All right. Yeah, all right. Sure, hang on. Sure. Hang on. And I will I, I will speak to to Trisha as your spokesman for the. What is the nature of that deal? He must have convinced her that he had enough sway with Daenerys, or he convinced her that Daenerys can't have children, and perhaps her child could somehow still be in line for succession and a Lannister dynasty could exist. Perhaps. All right. I don't know exactly. Let, let me ask you this, though, and this actually goes back to uh, the, my problem with Sansa and Arya. If... <laughs> Don't you dare. Justin is like, <laughs> he is ready. at the ready on this ready. trackpad, you guys. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> if it turns out that there was an off-screen... Com- no, don't listen to her. If there- <laughs> All right, for that, I Wait. deserve one. <laughs> Everybody quiet, because Peter Sable's got another goddamn opinion. If it turns out that there was an off-screen conversation between Tyrion and Cersei, in addition to the one that we saw, in which they came up with a plot which we don't find out about until we're surprised by it, won't you feel ripped off in just the same way I was when we find out that Arya and Sansa had an off-screen conversation in addition to the ones we were shown? Here's the thing. It it would be a little... It would be potentially frustrating, but the actor who plays Bran says there is a deleted scene where Sansa knocks on his door and says, I need your help but they realized that then we as the audience wouldn't be duped into thinking that she... I'm sorry, what did you just say? <laughs> that we as the audience yeah. were duped. Right. Duping the audience sucks. Mm. Don't dupe the audience. <laughs> All right. Should we just I take a moment to uh, hear from one of our sponsors? I think we should take a moment to hear from one of our sponsors. A moment to hear from one of our sponsors. It's the major label debut you can't ignore from the year's most exciting jazz vocal duo. Jen is the ice. Ice cold, wall, tall wall. Colin is the fire. He saved a dude from infectious disease. Now, Jen and Colin's songs of Ice and Fire do battle on the new album, My Position on Thronesitions. Hey, Jen. Hey, Colin. What's the word? The word is... Dragonstone! Jen and Colin got their start right here on the Nerdette Recaps podcast, and they were a smash hit with fans. Here's what they told us. Please stop with the ridiculous interludes. It's not working, folks. And those jingles need to go. My Position on Thronesitions. The debut from Jen and Colin. Available now on Compact Disc only. Visit harrystrickland.biz. Presented by Harry Strickland Partners. Are there any other settings on that Yamaha? This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at haciaworks.org.
uh, what were some yearbook style superlatives? Yes. So yeah, the idea of superlatives, you know, like senior superlatives in your high school yearbook were, you know, like most likely to succeed, most likely to be president, biggest class clown. So we each kind of went to our separate little corners and made some of our own that we thought we would share with you guys. I think I didn't totally get how this works because mine isn't a senior superlative. My first one is employee of the month. Oh. Well, uh, then maybe you should start, which, Trisha. Which is, which is clearly Sir Braun of the Blackwater. Except, excuse me, Trish, doesn't he end the season as Lord Braun? Oh, yes, pardon me. He got promoted. Oh. I mean, let's, let's look at his performance over the, the month or seven years, who knows, on the show that we just witnessed. He got really good at shooting that scorpion. He got really good at secret negotiations. And he got really good at leaving when shit actually got intense and just going and having a drink with Podrick, yeah. right? Brown and Podrick are still just like, at the that bar. That is some skill to like avoid actual stuff you have obligations. Just go get a drink. Yeah. Somebody who, when we asked you guys to predict who ends up in the Iron Throne, predicted it's gonna be Braun and Pod because they'll still be hanging out at the bar when all the shit goes down. That's a good one. They'll come out of the pub and uh, bedtime and like it'll be ruin. <laughs> well, I guess right. we're in charge. Peter, what do you got? I got, um, I've, I, I've chose my own superlatives. Good. Uh, this is relevant. Character who most likely died thinking, well, thanks for nothing, pal. That would be the horse Jamie was riding right before Braun saved him by knocking him into the water. Because really, I, I, I watched that a couple times, and like, Jamie gets on the horse, right? It's like he's going to go kill Daenerys, like gallop, 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 gallop. And then Bronn rides up, and his horse knocks Jamie off the horse into the inexplicably deep puddle. <laughs> Yet another example of why he's and, employee and, of the month. And the horse gets barbecued. And it's like, that is so unfair. So, anyway, thanks for nothing. was not me whinging, that was the horse. Greta? So I have, I went a little more traditional and I thought biggest gossip would be kind of a fun one. And I decided on Tormund Giants Bane because he's just talking about Brienne to anybody he can. It's like, hey, you know that big girl? Let's talk about her. That, that was so much like, oh, yeah, I've got a girlfriend in Canada. Yeah, totally, totally. Oh, you know her? Yeah. She's seven feet tall. We're going to have babies. Have you met her? He called them monster babies, too. I really thought he was going to die. Uh, we all did, but we're all glad he's alive. Well, I'm glad he's alive, and as... as he better be alive, is all I'm saying. As, as a friend of mine wisely pointed out, it's the only wildling left that we know their name, and we need sort of one from each of the kinds of people for this new democracy we might be forming if we're going to have a United Nations of, you know, not deadness Stuff. at the end. We need a wildling. So, so I just have, I have a, a, a couple sort of in succession, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cutest couple. I'm going to go Sam and Gilly. Aww. Because 
Because even though there was the thing where, you know, he had a rough day at work and so he was kind of a jerk and she was telling him the most important information that exists in the universe, but he was too stressed out about work to really listen while they were talking over dinner. Um, they're still my favorite relationship on the show because in some ways I think he does listen to her and I think that those two characters are kind of fun because they're not really gunning for anything other than a little happiness. And John Bradley's the best. He is. How do you think Samwell is going to react when he finds out what happens to his father and his brother Dickish? <laughs> Will he be sad? Will he be happy? Will he be ambivalent? Well, he, he doesn't care much for his father. I don't recall, you know, him having a, a completely terrible relationship with his brother. But also, some people were asking, does he get to be in charge of the house now? But since he took the black... No. He also took the black, had a girlfriend, left the Yeah, he's the broken wall. some other rules. Fair point. Oh, Fair yeah, point. yeah. Remember, John can't lie because he can't break promises or oaths, but let's remember what happened in the cave. He had taken the black. All right, Trisha, you got any more? You yeah, know? so uh, the, then the cutest incestuous couple, which didn't fa- feel fair to put those in the same category as cutest regular couple, I would go with, with John and Danny just because I think that the alternative is is twins, and it just like, you know, it's, it's a matter of degrees, but twins is <laughs> just distance. creepier. It's just the worst. Oh, and then my good. favorite unrequited couple is Tormund and Brienne, because I'm really rooting for them, too. By the way, did anybody think that the final sex scene in the final episode just look a little ridiculous? It, it's part of my theory that basically all sex looks ridiculous. And I actually, I went on Twitter and I said, everyone's trying to name me a sex scene that wasn't like entirely embarrassing to watch. And the only one that people could agree on was like Jason Biggs and the apple pie. (laughs) You know, my mother watched that with my 17-year-old brother somehow. You took your mother to see a porn film festival. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Fact. That That is not untrue. Amateur porn, for the record. All right. If that makes a difference. All right, here's my next one. <clears throat> These are somewhat obscure categories. <laughs> Character whose emotional backstory, plus the choices in life that led him to that spot, plus his last thoughts and who or what they might have concerned, I would most like to know. The winner is the quaking Lannister soldier waiting for the Dothraki attack. Oh. There was a runner-up. Any of the red furs who went along in the white stealing <laughs> yeah, expedition. Red furs. Because seriously, you just have to. They never got a line. They never got. A, they never got to say anything. Nobody said anything to them. And they're marching up there, and they're like, "What am I doing here? This is a dumb idea." <laughs> Nobody else is talking to me. Do they know something? <sighs> okay, this one is kind of sad. I actually wrote a sad face next to it. Uh, biggest slacker. Biggest slacker. Slacker. Who would that be? Theon. But not wrong, right? Euron down front just waved his axe. He agrees. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he really, I mean, I thought that as soon as he got, he escaped Euron's attack, and it was at episode two, episode one, I thought that he would immediately go try to rescue Yara, because what else is there, excuse me, Asha, not Yara, what else is there for him to do? And the answer is sit around. That's what he did. 
Can I do two more and then I'll be done? Sure. Best dressed, Daenerys. Oh, yeah. Most appropriately dressed for winter, Jon Snow. Right. You guys picked this up, that, that Greta here is from Fairbanks, Alaska, and she cares deeply about this shit. <laughs> I do. I think it's very important. Yeah. Peter and I are whinging about things like, where did the chains come from that they used to get the dragon out of the water? Where, you know, did these three perfect ice magic javelins come from? And Greta's just very concerned about the outerwear as an Alaskan. And the lake freezing over. But yeah, there are a lot of practical concerns beyond the wall that are not being taken into consideration with this show. As someone who hails from beyond where the wall. Where are the hats? And we know the answer the to hats? the hats, though. The answer to the hats is you can't tell them apart when they wear hats. So now they don't wear hats and they're all cold and they're all pretty sad about it, actually. Which is why their hair is so long. Are they not sag after? Do they not have a union that can get them hats? They set? must, I right? understand. Maybe we should knit them hats. Maybe that's what we should do over the next year and a half until season eight is just knit hats for everyone. Peter, would you like to award another superlative? I have one. Yeah, actually, this is somewhat connected. Hardest working yet most underappreciated person in Westeros, Daenerys' seamstress. <laughs> Runner-up, Cersei's floor map painter. I, I, I said this in the air. I still feel bad for him. He's working on the goddamn map, and Imwalk seriously just stands on it. Your Grace, it's not dry. All right, I'm leaving. <laughs> Here's what's awesome about that. Real quick, if you watch all the making and behind the scenes and all the stuff like I do, because I like it a lot, um, the guy who actually designed it is acting in that scene. So he's from the production team, but they actually cast him as the role in that scene. So it's a nice little moment for him to actually get to be on, on camera. Yeah. Showing off his really beautiful work. And so, and so his, his, his irritation that she was standing on the fucking thing was it's not real. feigned. It's real. <laughs> well, right. and you know, we, we haven't we have, seen the seamstress that's true. ever. So. We have, but for runner-up for hardest working yet most unappreciated person is, or, I was runner-up, second runner-up is the white walker who's apparently his only job is to hand spears to the Night King. <laughs> and the third and final runner-up of the most unappreciated person in Westeros, whoever does electrolysis for Jon Snow. You were really concerned about that, huh? Yes. <laughs> the palms of my hand are not as hairless as Jon Snow's entire body. And I find that Moving weird. on. Weird. Trisha, All right. you have been working on your show running skills yourself, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a TV nerd, and I'm, I'm sad that we have a year and a half to wait before we get more Game of Thrones. And I know HBO is, is working on its own spinoffs, prequels, we think, mostly. But I just had a few other ideas for Game of Thrones-related spinoffs that I wanted to bounce off you guys, and we can see if any of them have legs. All right, so Peter, we can play the HBO executives. All right, here we are. We're HBO executives wearing our HBO executive costumes. Right, this is what we wear. I haven't heard any of these, I don't think. Have you, Greta? No, no. We haven't no. Heard. These are all new to us. Um, the Great British Baking Show with Hot Pie. <laughs> Done. But the, the, the discussion of crust technique, I thought, was an underappreciated moment between Hot Pie and Arya, so yes. This one is a movie idea. Anne Hathaway plays a wildling who gets to take the Iron Throne as soon as she plucks her eyebrows and gets pretty. Oh, I have questions. 
Does she get contact lenses as yeah, well? Yeah, she gets contact lenses as well. It's the Princess Diaries Westeros edition. Uh, um, you know, we want to we have something for the kids, for the youths. So yeah. I was thinking maybe a, a YouTube channel where the sand snakes do poison makeup tutorials. Actually. <laughs> I like Let's that. Let's see. Um, this, this would probably be animated. This is the, the story of an emo witch in a lame high school. It's called Melisandaria. <laughs> You're actually too kind. That one didn't... I slapped my knee. Oh, yeah. These are all good. Um, <laughs> married with children of the forest? <laughs> with the Night yeah, King well, as Al Bundy. Yeah, we'll get back to you on that one. All right. Um, we thought maybe King of Queens is the backup plan for if Kit Harrington gets fat but still has a hot wife. <laughs> oh, Inevitably. That's and then uh, the last one, which I think is like the most viable, so I really want you guys to greenlight this one. Uh, it's an awkward teen with the power to see everything. It's That's So Three-Eyed Raven. <laughs> that's So Three-Eyed Raven. That's good. So speaking of the Three-Eyed Raven, yes. someone tweeted at us yes. discussing the Three-Eyed Raven, but they wrote it like number three, lowercase i, Raven. I like and it. I wasn't sure if they did it just because they didn't have enough characters or if that's, they actually thought that it was like the three-eye raven. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get the three-eye raven. I'm going to wait till the four-eye raven comes <laughs> yeah, out in the fall. Yeah, exactly. It's way better. It's got a better You're going to have to wait till 2019, yeah, though. And while that's happening, let's get another message from our sponsors. Is it on? Is it on, Justin? Everybody shut up! My name is Harry Strickland. Of Harry Strickland Partners, LLC, LLP. This episode of Nerdette recaps the Gang of Kings is sponsored by Harry Strickland Partners, a company that created the Thronesitions. Harry Strickland Partners is a full-service media engagement agency specializes in high-performance audio transitions. We also do live events. Thronesitions did for Nerdette, and we could do it for you. Let Harry Strickland Partners synergize your next podcast project. They're not, they're not jingles, they're thronesitions, okay? And I am a small businessman, asshole, okay? So you listen to me, you piss jacuzzi, because I have a family that I support with my company, and I don't need anyone here. I don't need the Federal Bureau of dickholes telling me what to do with my bullshit, okay? Is it illegal? Is it illegal to feed your family? Is it illegal right now to help your friends or to make false statements to a financial institution in an adjacent state? It's not illegal right now. It's not illegal to do that. You might be wondering why a man who called in this podcast from prison just a few days ago is standing before you on stage tonight. I cannot tell you exactly how that happened, but I assure you that 
I can bring my vast network of intimidating attorneys to your next podcast project. Harry Strickland Partners, the company that created Throngicians. Yes, thank you. You can find us on the computer at harrystrickland.biz and AOL keyword Throngicians. Before we wrap, we thought we would talk a little bit about some of the predictions that you guys made. You know, you wrote down on those scraps of paper and submitted them. And so we picked some of our favorites, and we will read some of them now. Who will end up in the Iron Throne, and how will they get there? Sir Pounce, everyone else dies. Ah, that's nice, that's nice. What happened to Sir Pounce? We miss him. In season eight, who will die, and how will they die? The patriarchy. Here's one. Who will end up in the Iron Throne? Baby Sam, he kills everyone. Oh, oh okay. In season eight, who will die and how will they die? Bran murdered for being a useless jerk. <laughs> and here's, here, this is my personal favorite, and I think you know why if you've listened to the podcast. Who will end up in the Iron Throne and how will they get there? Leanna Mormont. She will stare down the ice dragon and declare, on Bear Island, we shit bigger than you. And then, and then in terms of like, in season eight, who will die and how will they die? This person did an entire bracket of deaths. Wow. It's pretty amazing. In which, uh, I think it's like, let's see, uh, Cersei kills Tyrion, Jaime kills Cersei, uh, Sand? Sand? Does that say Sand? Is there a Sand left? Kills Jaime. And then... It does say Sand. It does say Sand. Or is it Sam? Well, you uh, figure Brienne that out. I've got one that says, Ed Sheeran gets killed by catapult. Who will end up on the Iron Throne and how will they get there? The Hound by Bus. (laughs) It's it's good, but I don't understand. I don't get it, but I like it. Who will end up on the Iron Throne and how will they get there? John, narrative continuity. Oh. In season eight, who will die and how? Tyrion, syphilis. In season eight, who will die and how? Everyone from climate change. I think I've got one last one for us. Ooh, I, okay. Well, oh, you got, okay, you go ahead, because this is my favorite. Who will end up on the Iron Throne and how will they get there? I hope Jon Snow in the buff. Oh, hey-oh. That's not appropriate winter wear, Greta. As long as he has a hat. Yes. He can leave his hat on. (laughs) Thank you, Peter. And in season eight, who will die and how will they die? Sam, period. Natural causes. (laughs) Those are excellent predictions. We will have to wait until kind of forever to find out. But stick with us because this live event will be put out as a podcast on Monday so you can listen to that. 
Thank you to everyone for coming out tonight. Yes, also, by the way, you know, we do have a podcast called Nerdettes. Episodes are out every Friday. This week's guest is Tracy K. Smith, who just happens to be the Poet Laureate, so that's pretty cool. She helps, like, deconstruct a Justin Bieber song, so definitely keep an eye out for that one. Thanks to Oma Gang Beer for the Game of Thrones beer tonight and prizes. Thanks to Chronicle Books. Thanks to the Don Cows team and to Matt Young from Hello from the Magic Tavern. Don't forget about that show on September 17th. Thank you to Keho the Bard. Heyo. To Harry Hey-o, Strickland. And of course to Peter Squire Miles, who, you know, some of you like better than him, and that's cool. Miles, did you make it? Are you here? Is Miles well, here? No, no, he thought he might be able to make it. Thanks also to our producer, Justin Bull, and our executive producer, Joel Meyer, who's out there somewhere. Thank you to Tyler Green and Simon Tran, the producers of this rap party. Special thanks to Mindy Zhang, MK Julian, Ashley Thorpe, and Haley Carlson from the events team. Adam Yaffe is engineering, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks also to WBEZ volunteers and WBEZ members and Nerdette fans like you. And thank you so much to the band, the Butterfly Swindlers, everyone. Winter is here, you guys. Do your homework. Thank you. Hey, before we give this up, before we give this up, so three years ago, I went up to these ladies and said, hey, you want to talk about Game of Thrones on the radio? And they were like, yes, that's all I did. I brought that and the patriarchal attitude. Everything else, everything else is due to these two ladies. Greta Johnson, Trisha Bobita, Nerdist. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I'd never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.